I love New Year's. Uh, I've never been to a New Year's party that I enjoyed, but I love the idea of New Year's <laughs> because uh, I weigh a decent amount more than I did before the holidays, and I'm like, maybe this is the year, right, that I start to feel the way that I think I should. I, uh, I keep a prayer journal um, where I expand on the Lord's Prayer on behalf of you and my family, and sometimes I leave space for the answered prayers, and I did not get to that journal as much as I meant to in 2017, but maybe 2018 is going to be the year where I get to it like three times a day, right? In uh, 2004, I made four resolutions because I was 28. Remember being 28? Some of you are not yet 28, but some of you are maybe you're in your 40s. So this was my this is my series of resolutions. When I was, some of you still maybe make resolutions like this, like awesome. I was going to read a poem every day, play a song on my guitar every day, do 50 push-ups every day, and write in my prayer journal every day. I was like, here we go. And the pastor that I worked for at the time asked us about our resolutions in staff meeting, and I got a little nervous. I had some sense that maybe... That was overambitious to think that I would do all those things even once a week, much less once a day. What I was not realizing is uh, how much thought goes into even the smallest changes in our lives. And I wasn't thinking about how much energy I was putting into the resolution to just turn me into a different human that loves beauty and is stronger and feels better and is more spiritual all at the same time. And so when he said, did you make any resolutions? I said, I'm going to try and be a little more appreciative of beauty. Because like two of them actually overlap with that. So I totally copped out because I could tell that what I was doing was over expecting the resolutions and underthinking what changes I actually wanted to make. A friend of mine said uh, New Year's resolutions are like hanging oranges on a tree and calling it an orange tree. I don't know if I fully understand that. I've been chewing on it for like 10, 15 years. <laughs> But I think there's something to it. And yet, I'm still a pretty ambitious pastor, and so I have a potential... And by the way, I'm not against New Year's resolutions. I made one three years ago. I resolved to never check the website Woot again. Because Woot convinces me of these technological devices and other things that I didn't know I needed until I got on Woot, and they seemed pretty affordable inside by And it's been almost three years since I checked Woot. Amen? Some of you don't know about this website, and you're going to get on it, and then your resolution in 2019 is going to be to not ever check it again. And some of you don't know about it, and you're going to check it and be like, why was my pastor addicted to Woot? I don't know either. I just know it's been a good couple of years not getting on Woot and buying small, portable chargers for my cell phone. Here's what I want us to consider. I want us to consider removing the word just... As an adverb from our vocabulary. Like how we just pray. You ever heard anybody say that? Well, we should just pray. What's the word doing in there? Why is it sneaking in and either marginalizing what prayer is or saying that it's not actually effective or it's a, like kind of a cop out? Like, if, like, we should, like maybe we could have done something, 
But instead of doing something, we should just pray. What's prayer? Conversational intimacy with God the Father, purchased by the Son, Jesus, mediated, empowered, sensed by the Holy Spirit. And it matters. It has causality. Jesus said to pray boldly, and he said it has an effect. I think one of the biggest effects of prayer is on us. It's actually the subconscious reason we often don't pray. Like oftentimes the world will keep us from it through diversion or just we're tired or what other reason. But sometimes when we're praying for our neighbor, we know in some sense that what's actually going to happen is we're going to be changed. But we should never just pray. If prayer is conversational intimacy with the Father, purchased by the Son, mediated and sensed and empowered by the Holy Spirit, then we should never speak about it that way, and yet we do. Why? I think we, because of, we forget what it is. I think we forget the power. I think we forget the gospel. A lot of the work for Christians to do is remember. When we remember what prayer is, we'll never talk about it that way again. Kind of related to that is how often we tell people we're going to pray for them and then we actually don't. There's a writer named John Acuff and he said, instead of saying I'll pray for you, Christians should just say razzle-dazzle because that'll have the same net effect because so few of us actually pray when we say that we're going to pray for you. And maybe... This particular crowd is fantastic at actually praying for people when we say that we will. But part of the reason that we say we'll pray for you and then we don't is we believe something that's not true, which is that it's insignificant. And the way that I know that we believe that is we say, well, we should just pray. Oh, I'll just pray about that. The worst version of this, second to worst, is when we say, well, prayer is just talking to God. And what we mean when we say that is, don't be intimidated by it. It's accessible and there aren't bad prayers necessarily. And what we want is for people to not be... What we don't want is for people... To not pray because they think they don't know how to do it. But prayer is not just talking with God. Bob Jaffa and I talked about this for 30 minutes and all we did was remove the word just. Prayer is talking with God. A collision of our humanity, the supernatural reality we can't see. The fact that God came down to earth to reconcile us to Him. And because of the work of Christ, we have unrestricted access to God the Father. And so what we mean when we say, well, prayer is just talking to God or prayer is just talking with God. We, what we want is for people to not be intimidated, but what we lose is a sense of how wonderful and powerful prayer is. You know, Jesus didn't ever just pray. Not just how he taught about prayer. Have you ever noticed how he went about prayer? He was like, you know, the cross is going to be difficult, so we should just pray before I go. No, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed about what was troubling his spirit. When his older cousin was brutally murdered, 
He didn't say, we should just pray about that. He went to a mountain by himself and prayed because he was very troubled. It isn't only prayer that we do this with. We also just ask our neighbors for small changes. I just wish that my dad would whatever. I just wish my kid would call more often. I just wish people would rinse the dishes before they put them in the dishwasher. I just wish everyone who lives in this house would put their shoes in the boot tray before they walk all over. Not that I've ever heard this never happened. I'm just... I just wish they would listen. I just wish that when we talk, you would let me finish my sentence, even if you know what I'm going to say. I just wish we could go on dates more often. My uh, brother was living in New York City uh, with a couple of very messy roommates, one that was pretty messy and one that was crazy messy. One of them broke a light bulb and just like sequestered the area in the middle of the kitchen. Like just like put some tape down or something around the shards of light bulb. I just wish you wouldn't leave shards of light bulb on the floor, right? And what happens when we say that is we're marginalizing what we want. We're pretending it's intuitive. We're just, it's this sneaky little adverb that messes up our request that our neighbors love us well. You are made in the image of God. You live in a tarnished and rusting world. You have earned no love, but you deserve it. You and I have merited, we do, we've not merited other people's love, but we do deserve it because you're made in the image of God. You're made for community and for love. So you're going to ask to be loved differently. Some of you are going to ask through silence. We might call that passive-aggressive. Some of you are going to ask through aggressive-aggressive. You're going to wait until it boils over and say, I just wish, whatever. So my encouragement is to go ahead and ask. I know it's risky. If you are in college and you have a roommate, it is risky to be honest with them about cleaning up the shards of the light bulb. I know that if you're married, that is a tricky conversation. I know that if your relationship with your parents is imperfect, because most people's relationship with parents is imperfect, I know that's a risky conversation, but you're going to ask anyway because you're a human being and you're made in the image of God and you long to be loved well. And listen, loving you is tricky. You're complicated. It's not intuitive. And if you're one of the very few people that's actually not complicated, that's way more confusing because everybody else is complicated. Whether you agree with me, whether you even followed that line of thinking, it is really unhelpful when we think it's intuitive. You should just know how to love me. See what I did there? I want you to ask. One of the most productive conversations I had with my wife in 2017. My kids, when they go to school, take these water bottles that have straws in them and there's a button that pops the, the drinking apparatus out. And if you don't pop that out, when you wash it, it doesn't get fully clean. And so this is our conversation. 
I'm putting dishes in the dishwasher. She walks up and picks the drinking apparatus out of the dishwasher, holds it up in front of my face, and squeezes the button. And then she puts it back in. And I was having a good day. No, 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 no. I mean, so I was like, right, this will keep it clean. I know she's for me. I know she's for hygiene. I know she's for our kids' hygiene. And she knows that I actually want to do the dishes correctly. So she held the thing up in front of me, not like right in front of my face, you know, but held it up. And she clicked the button. And this was not the first time that we had talked about cleaning the drinking apparatus, okay? And then she put it back in. And I don't think I've missed successfully cleaning one of our water bottles since. A couple of years ago, I was, uh, when I was working in St. Louis as a pastor, uh, the other pastor that I worked with, we were in a living room of a very in love and disoriented young couple. They were remodeling the house. She was pregnant. They had a bunch of little kids. So they're very in love, but having a little bit of a hard time finding one another. And we sat with them for over an hour. And at the end of the evening, we came up with the idea that we would pick a small thing to ask the other one for. And she said, I would like to go on a date once a month. And we turned to him and we said, it seems like a good idea. And he said, awesome. And we, we asked him what he would like. And he said, I want her to lock the doors to the car and to the house. That was the thing. And some of you are like, what does that have to do with anything? That was a thing that was worrying him. And it seems like a small thing. And what he could have said was, I just wish she would lock the doors. As though that's not an important desire to keep your family safe and to keep your stuff from getting stolen. And what she could have said was, I just want to go on a date once a month, which sounds a little more like an accusation. And it sounds a little more vague. And it sounds like it's not a big request. But it's actually a really beautiful request. The worst way she could have said it was, I just feel like a roommate. Any of you in marriage feel that way? Just please don't say that. See, I just said, just please. Instead, find a way to say it directly and gently because you deserve to be loved well. And if you are single, this is the best time to learn how to communicate with your good friends because you choose community or you don't a little bit more so than someone who's married, and yet you're created for, created for community also. And so with your friends, or brothers and sisters, or roommates, or parents, ask, and they need to listen. Parents and kids, this is so tricky. It's going to involve so much repetition. It's going to involve us being able to apologize and then actually repent to our children Apologize and then ask for forgiveness and then actually repent. I have an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old and the most consistently humbling part of my life is asking my 11-year-old how to love her well because she is wired a little bit differently than me. And you know what she has started doing in the last year or two? Asking me how she can love her mom and I well. Oh, you had me at a hello. That was amazing. Because that's actually what we do. Not try and get everything right. We learn to live lives of repentance with one another. Longing on our good days to love well and on our bad days learning how to say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And I'm going to work on that. That's going to be a challenge to talk to your child 
about how to love them better, but it's important to listen. It's not intuitive. You're going to ask anyway, either passive-aggressively or aggressive-aggressively or venting to a friend, which most of the time is really not very helpful to the process. And it only makes you feel better for about five minutes. And then you go home back to that situation. You're like, ah, I don't feel much better after the venting. When you realize you want your neighbor to talk differently with you, to listen differently with you, to treat you differently, ask. And do not use the word just. As you are made in the image of God, you have not earned love, but you do deserve it. So ask. I know it's risky. It's worth it, though. The worst way that we do this so we ask that God be with someone. This is the worst way that I hear Christians use the word just. God, I just ask that you would be with them. God came to earth. He became a human. He got tired. He healed people. He walked on water. He taught about himself. He went to a cross after living a perfect life and died for us. And when he ascended into heaven, he said, And behold, I am with you always. Now, what we mean when we pray it is good. What we mean when we say, Lord, be with them, is, Lord, help them sense your nearness. Or if they're not a follower of Jesus, we say, Lord, please give them a sense of your loving fatherly care and the work of Christ and the Holy Spirit. But what we say is, Lord, just be with them. He's already with them. The work that he already did needs to be enough for you and I. And then you're like, but it doesn't feel like enough. Now, we're praying and living like a person of faith. It's a subtle difference. It doesn't feel like enough. Now you sound like a psalmist. Now you sound like Abraham or Moses or Jesus praying in the midst of a broken world, trying to still trust the good heart of God. What we want when we pray that for a follower of Christ is for them to sense the Holy Spirit in a felt way. What we want for someone who's not a follower of Christ is for them to know that God loves them and because of Jesus they're reconciled through saying, Damn, I trust you. But what we pray is just be with them, Lord, as though our prayer doesn't matter, as though he didn't come to earth and leave the Holy Spirit We have friends that need healing inside and out. We pray for that directly. We don't just pray for that. We have friends who are making unwise decisions. We pray for them to have wisdom and we ask the Lord if we have a role in that. But we do not just pray for that. Because Jesus said, I am with you always. And our hearts experience the peace that he purchased when we actively remember that and stop using the adverb just. Certainly still use it when we're talking about being a just or kind or fair person, but as an adverb. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you have planned all of 2018 for all of us. 
that yesterday, today, and this whole year, you are a good Father to us. We thank you for the work of Christ that allows us to pray freely to you. We thank you for the indwelling Holy Spirit that will never leave us or forsake us. Father, help us to remember the truth of the gospel in our prayers, in our interactions with our neighbors, especially perhaps parents and children. And Father, help us to remember that you are always near, that we have the Holy Spirit because of your work. Amen.